<laughs> From John 10:9, I am the door. Revelation 3:8, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. And from Corinthians 16:9, a wide door for effective work has opened for me. Thank you. You can now sit. <laughs> and now you can really enjoy that seat. Okay, good morning. Uh, we like to celebrate here at the Bentonville Church, amen? amen? So we want to welcome this new family to us, the Walden family. Uh, where are you guys at this morning? Uh, somebody, right back here, right back here. Let's welcome the Walden family very warmly. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Uh, read all about them in today's bulletin. Uh, we've got a little article in there about them. Uh, would you pray with me for just a second? Let's bow. Father, thank you for being our all in all. Thank you for Jesus Christ, your true Son who has, through his death and resurrection, won many sons and daughters for you. We are so grateful to be included in that number, even though we were not worthy. You have done marvelous things. We thank you in Jesus' name, and together we all say, amen. amen. Doors separate worlds. And today we're going to talk about some doors that God opens. Uh, last week, John kicked off this little series for us, a three-part series talking about uh, Roberto and Betty in Mexico and the way God opened doors for the work of the church in Mexico. And today, in just a minute, I get to interview a good friend of mine, a new friend of mine, who will share some about what God did in the 90s and 2000s in Eastern Europe. Uh, and so we'll get to enjoy that together. And then next week, uh, he's actually going to preach and talk a little bit more about this. So I'm just so thrilled about this. But I want to make a couple comments about doors before I bring Ronnie up for the interview, is that doors separate worlds. And I think you've all experienced this at one point or another in your life. When I think about November, I think about Thanksgiving, and I think about Thanksgiving at my grandparents' home, uh, Grandma and Grandpa Bundy uh, up in Pennsylvania. It's now the home, actually, that my mom and dad live in now. And I have all these memories of going to their house many times through the year, but at Thanksgiving especially, which is my favorite holiday. I feel like it's the least pretentious of all the holidays. I just love Thanksgiving, and it has the best food. And think about moments like this when you go through a door into a different world. For me, entering through the door of the garage into my grandfather's garage was like entering a different world where there were unique smells of oils, and old leather, and the kinds of tools that they used in his generation. And it was different from the crisp, cold November air outside the garage. And then I'd go through another passage when you'd open the door from the garage into grandma's kitchen, and there was the smell of bread and pies and the noodles that she would make for the Thanksgiving meal, and all of these uh, moments that would evoke warmth and love and embraces and I and here's the thing I knew this even before I could remember it all because these were being built over time from when I didn't even have memory yet but the the senses of the body can store memory long term and so you have these sights and smells and you pass through into that world and even today when I visit home uh, even though it's my parents there instead of my grandparents now, some of those smells and sights are still present. And I walk through and it's like I'm in a different world. 
Now, this happens to all of us in many different ways, and it's not always uh, quite that warm and welcoming. Some, some of us have passed into a different world when we passed through a hospital door uh, to sit with someone who was sick and dying. We have passed through doors in nursing homes to sit with our elderly loved ones as they struggled in their later years with different kind of issues that maybe they couldn't be independent anymore. Uh, and we've passed through doors into funeral homes and into churches where we said goodbye to loved ones. And we enter a new place, a new world uh, without someone or with the reality of the struggle of, of an illness. And so there are many, many ways that we uh, enter into this new reality just by crossing a threshold. And I want that image to be in our minds as we think about these three little things that were read just moments ago from the New Testament. Because when the New Testament writers use the word door and they think about that kind of movement into a different universe or reality, into a different world, this is always centered for them on Jesus in a unique and special way. And there's three ways that they say it. The first one was, we read from John chapter 10, a quote from Jesus. He says, I am the door, by which he meant the only way you really cross into the world of life is through Jesus. He is the door himself. And he said it in a pastoral setting with you know, sheep herds in mind, where the shepherds would at night sometimes in the fields have a kind of rocky enclosure that was open at one end and they would lay down across the opening at night so that if the sheep wanted to get out of the enclosure they had to you know pass by the shepherd and if the wolves wanted to come into the enclosure they had to get through the shepherd and Jesus says I am the door you know you've I am protection I am safety and security. I am passage to life, and I am the door. And then we also have Jesus' words in Revelation 3 where he said to his church that was struggling, I've set before you an open door. And to this church that was having trouble holding to their faith, he's, he's like, just hold on. I've set before you an open door, and no one's able to shut it. What I open, no one closes. Okay? Jesus, his work, his accomplishment. And so we'll find Paul and others saying things like this uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. A wide door for effective work has been opened to me, by which he means the door of Jesus' work. Or they would say in Acts, a, a door of faith for the Gentiles. Or one of my favorites from Colossians 4 uh, when Paul, who is in prison when he writes Colossians, writes this about Thanksgiving. This is just great for the month of November. He says, continue steadfast in prayer. Okay, don't, be moved, don't be moved out of your prayer. Be rock solid in your praying and being watchful in it with Thanksgiving. See, prayer time with Jesus is a source of great thanksgiving. And pray for us that God may open for us a door. You'd think sitting behind that 
cell door of the prison, he would say that Jesus would swing open the prison door like he did in early in the book of Acts and Peter and his buddies just waltzed on out into Jerusalem and continued about their ministry. But it's not what he says. He says that he would open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on whose account I'm in prison so that I can make it clear as I ought to speak. So Paul's prayer is, this Jesus, he is the door to life. He opens and holds open the door for his people when they're weak and he opens a door for possible ministry to share the, the mystery of Jesus. So although it is true that almost any opportunity that comes into your life that's a good thing, that's a blessing, it's probably been lined up for you by God. So he sends you to a new town to work or he gives you a great job opportunity or you meet the girl of your dreams. It's probably true that God has lined up those opportunities for you. Those are not the open doors we're specifically talking about today. Those are good gifts too. But we're talking about the open doors of when God does the miraculous and he takes faith into a closed country where he takes faith into closed hearts because Jesus is the door. I want to invite Ronnie Morrison to come on up and join me. Uh, we're going to tell a few of the stories of God opening doors for faith this morning. Would you all warmly welcome Ronnie this morning? Um, let, let, let's have a brief introduction First, uh, Ronnie and Rowena are recent members at Bentonville, but longtime Northwest Arkansas people. Uh, I guess you used to preach at the Johnson Church back in the day, and uh, since then, you've spent a lot of time doing missions in Eastern Europe, and most recently, you were doing some interim preaching and discovered that you still have the fire in the belly, as they say <laughs> for it. Do you want to tell us anything about where you've just come from in Seattle, and then we'll talk about Russia after that? First of all, let me say, praise the God above mm -hmm. that we have been blessed and privileged to be a part of your congregation. We love this church already. When I uh, decided to complete the ministry of 24 years back in 2015, Rowena and I didn't know which path God was going to take us, so very briefly, a door opened for me to go and do interim ministry where, uh, say, a congregation has lost a minister or they're making a transitional change. We've been able to go and, and minister in those situations until they find a new person. <laughs> and this last venture was with a congregation, the Lakeview Church in uh, Tacoma, which is right near Seattle. We were there 30 years ago, and they had the courage, believe it or not, Josh, to ask us to come back. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but we went back there for one year, but we thought it was only going to be about two or three months. So we came back here the end of July and started searching for a church. Incidentally, anybody who's ever volunteered in church, didn't you think you were doing it for two to three months, and they get you for years? <laughs> Amen there, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we started looking around, and what we love so much about this church is you're strong in mission work, and you believe in a loving way of reaching people. Yeah. And we really believe that God has really 
moved us in this direction. In fact, our oldest son, Ryan, is a minister uh, with a congregation up in the Indianapolis area, and Josh reminds us of Ryan. Every day that he gets up, my son and Josh know how to communicate God's word. Amen? No doubt about that. So anyway, we're here as part of the family of God, and and we feel blessed to be a part of it. Well, we're thrilled that you're here too. And I'm thrilled for everybody who's going to get to hear some of this work uh, in Russia that uh, God did such amazing things. Let's, let's start in the early 1990s because not everyone here uh, was old enough to remember what it was like whenever the Iron Curtain fell. And tell us just a little bit about what God did uh, to help open up Russia to the gospel. Well... In 1991, the unimaginable happened, and that is the Iron Curtain came down. And during that time, the Bolsheviks were not willing to resign gracefully from that situation, and they created a coup. And as a result of that, they laid siege on the Russian parliament building of which the newly elected president, Boris Yeltsin, was trapped. But what I remember, Josh, is Boris left the parliament building, got up on a tank, and there rallied the forces of the people as well as the soldiers against the coup, and two days later it collapsed. And what happened is Boris Yeltsin, I believe more than any other individual in Russia, wanted to have an open dialogue with people from the West. And so what happened there is I got a call from a missionary friend that I'd been doing work with for several years in New Zealand, and he was a director of of world (coughs) missions at Southern Christian University, and the president of that institution took Boris Yeltsin up on his word and went there and negotiated contracts with 30 universities, now get this, unheard of, to lecture on Bible-related subjects unbelievable how that door opened and so as a result of that he said I need your help can you come here and help teach some uh, courses in our university uh, both undergraduate and graduate and would you please be involved in this evangelistic opportunity and so he and I began to go throughout the brotherhood and we started recruiting American workers to go on evangelistic campaigns And we wanted them from a variety of vocations because Russia was wanting to hear about what we do in America. They wanted to hear from school teachers and doctors and lawyers and farmers, factory workers, whoever it may be. And I want you to know that I got really an unbelievable experience on that first missionary journey in February of 1992. I was lecturing for about a month five days a week, Monday through Friday, in the evenings, and then we would offer open Bible studies. The first night I had a lecture, I went back to the hotel, and in the lobby was over 20 young people wanting to study the Bible. So we went up to my room, got some other workers, and we started teaching them that evening, and about a week later, 10 of those 20 became Christians. Then I couldn't believe this. I was lecturing one evening on the crucifixion. It was quite graphic. And this lady comes up to me and says, Sir, 
would you please come to my class? I have about 50 students in high school, and I would love for them to hear the same lecture that you presented tonight. Well, let's move it forward. At the end of that, 25 of the 50 requested more study. There was more study done, and one of my colleagues there, Marlon Rutherford, baptized the 25 out of 50 into Christ. When I came home at the end of that three weeks, Josh, Rowena said, you've been shot out of a cannon, tell me about it. I said, I'm excited because 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 says, notice the adjectives here, a great and effective door has been opened unto us and God's going to make us a part of it. Boy, that was a blessing. Amen, that's very cool. And a lot of us don't remember uh, how impossible it seemed that anyone would be able to preach Jesus in Russia, but yeah. God used some amazing things. Now, this this is a story on the on the large scale of U.S. and Russia and the world and all of that. But there is also all of these people, these individual stories, and I've had a chance to hear a few of these from you. And uh, when I hear these incredible stories of people receiving Jesus, uh, I have begun to think about them with names kind of like the parables that are in the New Testament. So. Ronnie has these great stories, and I call it like the parable of the new woman at the well and the parable of the dry wells and the full bathtub and the Irana's dream is one of my favorites uh, and the harsh and the just judges. To me, these just line up with these great stories of faith that happen all through Scripture. Amen. And what I would like you to do for the next couple minutes is to tell three or four of these uh, about some of the ways that God moved in the hearts of people and how remarkable it was. Maybe start with that 85-year-old woman who helped convert part of her village. We were in a place called Kirov Chapask, Russia. It was kind of a village community. And one night after a lecture, there was an 85-year-old impoverished woman who came up, and she begged us to have our mission team of 10 to go out to her village that evening. So we go out to the village, and she invites us into her little modest dwelling. It's dirt, it's dirt floors. We go in and we sit down and Marlon Rutherford and a few of the others begin teaching the Bible one-on-one. -on -one. And then we had a public discourse that we did that evening. Long story short, she became a Christian. And then she reached into her village and brought more in for evening studies and five more obeyed the gospel. And here's what she said in her farewell to us. She said, you know, I don't know that we'll ever see each other again, but I want you to know that I was poor, and now I have become rich. And although I may never see your faces again, I will one day get to see your face in heaven. And you know, we said, Slava Boga, which in Russian means to God be the glory how great it was to have that happen. But then you have other situations, and I love the way Josh is, has given these parable titles to these <laughs> different stories of how God interacts into our lives. What about that harsh and that just judge? Well, we went to St. Petersburg, and we were doing in a suburb of that area, we passed out thousands of leaflets that advertised Bible lectures. I had a person from the city hall, a representative, come to me, and he said, you're the leader of this campaign, I understand, 
And we'd like for you to know that you have violated a sign ordinance, which means that you're going to go before a judge tomorrow morning, and he's very harsh. He hates Americans. He's a communist. And he has, in past, inflicted exorbitant fines and has even put people in jail. So I want you to know we went back to the mission team and we said we need to pray fervently tonight. I'm not ready to start a prison ministry like Paul. <laughs> so anyway, we, we go back the next morning and I'm surprised it's a female judge and she's very kind-hearted and, and very sweet, her demeanor. And, and I say, where is the other judge? I, I didn't call him harsh, but where is the other judge? And she said, well, in the middle of the night, we don't know how, but he got violently sick, sent to the hospital, and I came to replace him. And I was saying inside my mind, Slava Boga, Slava Boga, <laughs> to God be the glory. Well, you know what happened is I said, I'm sorry. We put the signs in the wrong places. I'll be happy to gather them up and put them in the right places. I plead for mercy and forgiveness. I'm very sorry. And she looked into my face and said, I can see you have a good heart, and I know that you care about our community. And I just want to say to you, no fines, no jail time. Be on your way, Slava Boga. And I tell you, that's God working in situations like that. And I wonder how that other judge felt about God working on him like that. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm kind of glad he didn't I'm know. I'm glad he didn't know, yeah. yeah. Um, we maybe have time for one more of these. I don't know if you want to tell the dry well, full bathtub, or I ran his dream. And then I got a couple other short questions I want to ask you before we're done today. Which one of Wait, those is your favorite? Either one. Tell the dream. The dream's incredible. Okay. Yeah. Irina, we had advertised in, in a brochure and in the newspaper that we were conducting daily Bible studies. And my wife Rowena has accompanied me on just so many of these missionary journeys. And as you get to know Rowena, she's a very kind, sweet person that everybody loves. And she's such a help to me in my ministry. And, and, and so Rowena is ready to study the Bible with the other workers, and we're trying to assign the studies, and there's this one lady, Josh, that has her eyes laser-focused on Rowena, and she keeps smiling at her, and beside her is her little girl, her daughter, and she's holding up an apple. By the way, back then, in those days when food was in scarcity, I want you to know that was a precious commodity, that apple. And so she goes up and she approaches Rowena and she says, Oh, I've been waiting for you to come. And Rowena's thinking in her mind, well, she's read the advertisements. And she says, No, I dreamed about you last night. And I knew you were coming. And I wanted to be here and give you this gift of the apple. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe the Spirit works sometimes in mysterious ways that we don't understand. But I'll tell you this much. Rowena studied with her, and she became a Christian. She was the first Christian in the community of Lomonosov that grew into a membership of over 60 and was very dynamic in its benevolence in the community. And it all began 
with Irina and the gift of an apple. Can we just all say praise the Lord to that? Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah, you can clap for it. You can celebrate. We're a church that celebrates. That's okay. That is for the Lord. Uh, there's, so, there's more stories, just so many things that we could talk about. And because we're uh, right about to the end of our time, I'm going to jump to two questions here at the end. Um, one is just tell us one or two things that you learned about that cross-cultural ministry and ministering with Slavs in a way that didn't cause offense and in a way that opened the doors. How did God show you some things about that? Well, the, the Slavic people want to be respected for their history and their religious history. And of course, the Russian Orthodox Church has been there for over a thousand years. And, and I think they feel, because I've got this interaction with them through the years, that we have felt in America that communism of 70 years has shrouded in darkness their religious history and they and 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 I found too Josh that they're not really atheistic the majority of the Slavic people are agnostic they don't know uh, they, they they just want to learn more mm. and I learned that by the way when when I <clears throat> when I would lecture in the beginning, I would do shorter messages like we're used to here. Well, in the Slavic culture, if you don't lecture for at least an hour, you don't know much. Mm. Listen, brother, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Now, did you all hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyway, we, uh, we wanted to respect that because it's very important. And by the way, they did not buy into the propaganda to hate Americans. The majority of Slavic people that I met, they were very open and gracious, and they want us to really respect their culture. And when we do that, God will have those doors open and we can teach. Wonderful. Uh, last question for you today. And then next week you can share some more when you preach. What is something that God did in your personal growth, your prayer life? How do you point to some of the changes that he provided as he did all of this and you participated? You know, brother, I thought I understood what it means to really have a passion for lost souls, but I didn't really understand it until I started working there because I saw God do things that I think are totally unbelievable. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians 3.20 that talks about unto him, God, mm -hmm. that is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ask or think according to the power mm -hmm. that is at work within you and me. And I, I saw a power at work within those Slavic people and within our own personal lives that had never been frankly tapped. Rowena told me yesterday as we were contemplating things to say, she said, honey, you know, when we were working in Russia and Ukraine, we had to walk the walk mm -hmm. and, and be an example as we were living our life of faith. And, and we got to walk the walk a lot more than talk the walk. Amen, brothers Amen. and sisters? And how important that is. And then I learned something else, providential power that God gives. Let me just share this last thing. One of the missionary journeys that we were coming home on I got on the German Airlines Lufthansa, and as I got on the plane, they abruptly, immediately said, deplane, and so we did. And when I deplaned, I discovered that earlier that morning in the blizzard weather, one of the workers had knocked a hole in the fuselage of the airplane and did not report it. 
praise God that Lathonza had its own engineers and those that examine inside and outside of the plane. And the pilot told me, had that plane taken off, everyone would have perished. And I would not have had a 24-year ministry in Russia. I got home and I shared that story with my two sons and daughter. And my youngest son, Reese, said, Dad, we prayed for you. And we knew God would make it safely for you. Boy, these kids can teach us a lot. Incidentally, I've named that one the parable of the holy fuselage. <laughs> All right, will you all just say thank you to Ronnie and, and appreciate him spending time with us today. Um, he's got a, a lot more to share, and it's going to be so good next week, and so I hope you'll be here for that. And I want to say, by means of wrapping up our time of worship together, we always have this moment where you can come and pray with our elders or with our ministry staff if you would like. And I think there's a couple of really easy things to just land on with this, with God opening doors. We just heard Ronnie saying that anytime God starts moving, that it's going to challenge us to walk about faith more than we talk about faith and to really walk it out. And so this might be for any of us today that are kind of waiting God's been urgently working on our souls to say are you really walking out your faith are you living it is it active that you might wherever you're sitting or you could come down and pray with us but in your heart you might have a response to God about that it's a great thing for us to be thinking about and then of course we've got uh, we had a story we didn't get to tell because we ran out of time about the Russian people warming water for a baptism in a bathtub with teapots. Well, we've got the water ready to go. It's right here, and it does, it's already warm, and we actually have a baptism that's lined up in just a moment. Uh, Miss Faith is going to be baptized, and so Ben will take her confession right back here. But if you would like to be baptized this morning, we'd be so thrilled uh, to do that. So can we stand together this morning, and let's sing this invitation song. <laughs> Wonderful.